Welcome to the Thinker What Works podcast. This week, our guest is Trevor Gibbs. He's an anesthesiologist from Naperville, uh, who we first met about a month and a half ago at a competition called Fast Pitch. And Trevor was pitching his product, the Annie Stand. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, the, the cool thing here is I was set up next to Trevor, and Trevor was the winner of the Fast Pitch competition. Well, thank you for coming in from Naperville today. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm really excited. It's really cool what you guys are doing here at Thinker Ventures. Thanks. Uh, we try to focus uh, these What Works podcasts on specific topics, and you and I got to know each other a little bit at the at the fast pitch competition. And what I thought was amazing was, you know, if you're if you're an anesthesiologist, that is a a long demanding career and you also have a young family and yet you were able to develop this product. Right. Uh, so let's let's take a step back. At what point let's talk about the anti-stand. What is okay. it? So the anti-stand comes from the word from the term anesthesia stand and it's a device to organize our workspace and hold all our supplies as we put patients off to sleep in a more hygienic and more organized way. I was shocked to actually hear how sometimes unorganized that is right. in a in a surgery. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, we work in a very small workspace. The operating room table is only about twenty inches wide, and so when the patient lays on that, it takes we take up the whole table as the patient, and so we oftentimes end up setting things right on top of the patient's chest as they're going off to sleep. Again, that's not as hygienic as we'd like, but it's most convenient, and so. I thought, where could we put things that would hold things in a more efficient way? Because oftentimes things will roll off the patient onto the floor just as I need them. And in addition to being unhygienic, it's a safety issue. And uh, that led to, to me thinking of what could fix this problem in a way that would help be helpful to me and other people. How long have you been an anesthesiologist? Uh, I've been in practice just over 10 years. Okay. And at what point did you, did you come up with this idea? When did um, it pop in your head? Actually, uh, about eight years ago. I had been in practice for a couple of years, and I was putting a patient off to sleep quickly. And as I described, s several things in that particular case were falling just as I needed them. I said, there has to be a better way. The, you know, this, it was just so frustrated. It boiled up. And I thought, we need a stand. And, and, and that's, that's where the, the genesis of the idea came from. But that was eight years ago. So we were talking about this. What was, what was your first step? Well, I mean, the first step was nothing for years, you know, I'm just frustration. And uh, I, I had the idea and I, I would think about it. And then so finally, the, the situation came up multiple times. And about a year and a half ago, I said, that's it. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure out a way to make it. And uh, what I did was, is I kind of did a little research on the internet and I came across the SCORE organization. I don't know if you're familiar with SCORE. We don't, uh, we're, they're trying to reestablish one here in Rockford. Okay. So SCORE, uh, it's a nationwide organization that helps people, you know, the business community, entrepreneurs, things of that sort. And so I got, I stumbled on their website and I saw, read through the list of mentors and I saw someone that had started a company and gotten some patents and then ultimately exited the company. I thought, well, and he had an engineering background. I thought maybe this guy could help me. And so I, I set up a meeting with him as a mentor. And uh, he said, well, bring, uh, bring some information and present your case to me why this might be reasonable. And I made a, a little PowerPoint and we, we sat down and talked through it. And, and he said, you know, I think this has some legs. And that was my first step. The next day, uh, he had me meet with an intellectual property lawyer. And within a couple uh, days after that, I came up to Rockford and I met with Mike Coburg at Iger Lab. And that was how things got started. Yeah. So if, if somebody's listening to the podcast and doesn't know what Iger Lab is, I think Iger Lab is about 12 years old now. And it's, it's a, basically a business incubator or 
a way for people to take ideas and push them forward. Now, Mike is in charge of the manufacturing side of it. So how big of a help was he? Well, I he was essential first for finding an engineer, which uh, helped with all the computer design. Uh, but also, as, as I was refining my design, he's brought many things to market. He would just interject uh, with his experience. You know, if you, if you turn this this way, we can rotate this in any direction or, you know, consider this material or, you know, it's going to be expensive. So be even just giving me expectations of, you know, what reasonable expenses would be and, and other things to look out for. And he's still helping me now as we're choosing manufacturers and things of that sort. So the whole, he's a project manager. And so from our product designer and from the beginning to the end, he's going to have insight to help you get to where we, we want to go. How much money did you have to invest to get to this point? Uh, about $70,000. Wow. Then yeah. that, did you have that sitting around or did you have to go get loans for that? Well, so what I did was, is interestingly enough, uh, a year or so ago, I needed to refinance my house. So I pulled a little money out there. And I had actually, uh, for several years, uh, I've always kind of had an interest in business. And so uh, I had been kind of just keeping some aside that wasn't invested in stocks or whatever. So someday there's going to be some opportunity to come up. And I had just been tucking away. So between pulling out some equity in the house and having uh, some some just there for some project, and I didn't know what it would be, I was able to pull it together. And well, that's that's a key because a lot of people have ideas and they can get going, but then you have to get a bank involved, right? And then you have to sell the idea to the bank. But you didn't have to do that at this point. I didn't have to do that, although, you know, we're not all the way there, and, yeah. and we can talk more about, uh, you know getting the product to market. And I had no idea. I honestly thought that I could get this design made starting out for about $30,000. And, uh, I mean, I haven't even, one of the biggest expenses with making something is injection molding, which I knew nothing about. And buying these molds is six figures, you know, even for, for not very complex molds. And then on top of that, you have to produce your inventory. Uh, so all something that I've learned a bit about. And so, my next step is something that I'm going to sort out here in the next month. It's whether I, I can get a, a small business loan and I'm working with a bank and I think that we're going to be able to do that. The other thing is is um, you're able to get some financing from the molders themselves. Some of them will work with you and that you can pay it back you know, as you sell things over the next three to five years. Uh, and so that's another option for financing. And then, of course, the third uh, option for my financing would be a, a taking an investor. And I have a, a company that wants to invest. Uh, we have a meeting next month, and they've, they've decided that they want to reach an agreement, but we haven't talked about the details yet. So uh, fortunately for me, I have a few options right now. That, uh, it seems likely this will get to market uh, in the first quarter next year because we've really made it through most of the design way and the beta testing. Well, let's, let's take a step back and turn on how do you structure a week, right? Because you have your anesthesiology mm -hmm. practice, right. uh, which I assume is how many hours a week? It's, it's busy. I'm sure it's, you know— 40 to 60 hours a okay. week, just depending. And you, your kids are how old? One, three, and five. <laughs> okay, so that's a full-time job yeah. in itself. Yeah. So uh, how, do you, how did you structure your week or your days so that you had time to continue to push this idea forward? So when, you know, I was thinking about this as... Um, as you know, because my daughter's in kindergarten and they always, you know, in school, they say you have to use your time wisely, you know, and, and I don't think it sticks until, you know, the older you get and the more layers of responsibility you have. And so now uh, I don't have many down moments, you know, sometimes with the nature of my job, I might work with one surgeon from 7am until 11. And then no one's in that operating room until maybe one o'clock. So I've got a little break there. Well, I don't go run to lunch. I pull up my laptop and that's where I'm, I'm doing a lot of work. So any downtime I have at work, I pull the laptop out at work. 
uh, and, and do, you know, any stand work. The other thing is this, sometimes when I work a really long day, they assign me a shorter day the next day. And so then knowing that I'll have a shorter day, that's when I set up all my meetings. So if I work to midnight or I work overnight, we do, if we work overnight, then we'll likely be off the next day. So rather than going home and sleep, I set up all kinds of appointments. Uh, and finally, I've been using some of my vacation days to make these appointments as well. Does your day kind of be adjusted by what the doctors need of you, or or can you sit down there and like chart it out and say, okay, no, I'm set I, aside. I unfortunately, and it's a very frustrating part of my job is I don't have much control over it. So uh, I may be scheduled with you for you know three or five hours doing different surgeries if you're the surgeon, but if say for instance the cases are challenging and go longer, then I'm stuck there longer, or you finish right on time, but there's an appendix that needs taken out or something else and all the other rooms are running. Well, they'll put it in my room. So it's it's um, a little bit unpredictable. And, and the way that challenges me is um, how do I know when I'm going to be done to make an appointment with the banker, with the uh, the uh, accountant, with uh, the intellectual property lawyer, you know, all these things, these appointments that I'm trying to put together. Um, it's, it's, it's been my biggest challenge. And so that's why I have to do it, uh, on days when I've been working the night before and they know that I'm going to be off the next day or on a vacation day, something of that sort. So in a way you've already formed a company, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Because you're not only developing a product, you're learning how to run a business. Right. So where did you get that kind of help in terms of how to structure it? Um, you know, and, and different ways to, to set it up, things like that. Okay. So again, um, with SCORE, uh, where, where I live down in Naperville, they have they have branches or they have uh, meetings, monthly meetings, uh, roundtables. And, and there you can bounce things off of people and say, hey, what did you guys do about this or that? And so, so through some of those contacts, I've gotten in touch with um, a bookkeeper uh, who was really, you know, I was just using a, pa- a spreadsheet before, you know, um, but, but the bookkeepers made a difference. And, 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 and through some of the initial contacts there, I've been able to to get put in contact with good people who who help make this a little bit easier as I've come along. So a lot of it's mentoring, just finding the right mentors, finding the right people. Yeah, is that the is that was that the hardest thing to do? It's still, I would say, a process. You know, my my initial mentor was great for getting me started, but I'm still haven't found the perfect mentor. And I don't know if there is any perfect mentor. I think you have to talk with a lot of different people and extract what each person knows well, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think you you never stop being active in the process of finding the right people to help you. Now, the fast pitch competition was your first competition. It was my first But had you ever actually pitched the product before? You know, in some ways I've pitched it a million times. You know, everybody that I come across, whether I'm opening my business bank account or when I was designing my website or things of that sort, you're describing what it is. You're telling how it works, you know, and, and I did this to, to partners who are evaluating the product of mine. And so, so well, I hadn't pitched it in a contest format. I've pitched it so many times to so many people describing what I'm working on that it was already kind of in there. I remember when, um, when you told me about it, I realized right away that you had a good chance of being successful because the first thing I thought of is, Nobody's thought of that before, right? I mean, those are the best kind of products. Like right. somebody should have thought of that already. I mean, have you gotten that reaction? I have. You know, I was talking with someone, and, and maybe this is a common al- analogy, but I hadn't heard it. Uh, this gentleman said, uh, "Let me let me tell you something." He said, uh, "How long has the wheel been around?" I said, "I don't know, ten thousand years." And he said, "How long have we had coolers?" I'm like, "A long time." He's like, "Why did it take us till twenty years ago to put 
you know, wheels on a cooler. Do you want to carry it all the way to the beach? You know, and I said, he's like, this might have been something that's right in front of everybody and they just didn't see it and you did. And so uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that's the case. And the feedback you gave me is, is what I hear from a lot of people. So let's go back to the product development side. What was the most surprising thing on the product development side that, that it, just, it just became a hurdle and you're like, I, I didn't expect that? Well, I would say that, you know, I had no idea what injection molding cost. You know, to get this to market, I'm going to have to use some plastics. And I just, I, I just had no idea that that would be such a, such a big cost. I mean, I would say that would be, was the most surprising part of it. And this. who helped you find the injection molders? So it was with uh, Mike Colbert has okay. helped me find the injection molders. Yes, yeah, so he would... He, a person like Mike is key in any region because he knows who makes what. Right. And, right. you know, I've talked with other – and not just that he knows who does it. You know, you can get on the Internet and find some people, but um, you want good people who give you good product and aren't going to take advantage of you and are going to be responsive to you. Um, I was just communicating, actually, with an anesthesiologist up in Wisconsin who's developed a product. And uh, basically the, the people that he works with have gone in breach of contract. And uh, they, they, they aren't getting back to him. They have his injection mold, but they're not, you know. And uh, I bet he didn't have someone that was vetted like Mike would have to, to make the product. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's a big deal. And um, it, it's, getting the right person to help you, that makes a big difference. On the business end of it, what's mm-hmm. been the, the biggest surprise or the biggest hurdle? Uh, you know, when you're setting up the corporate structure, um, you know, planning your exit from when you start is, 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 can be important. And so trying to pick the right, uh, corporate structure that would allow us to, you know, if someday I sell to have, have things as much as possible, be capital gains, which are, you know, for, you know, for anybody, a little bit of a tax advantage, um, it was not consistent between what my lawyer thought was right, my intellectual property lawyer, uh, and and the the corporate lawyer who was setting that up, and and the uh, virtual CFO I hired, who was a t- you know an accountant that kind of does CFO services for smaller businesses like mine, and so uh, it ended up being a little more complex than I would have thought. You know, I'm setting up an LLC for my intellectual property, and that's what I have. But then we're going to open a uh, a C corp, and I'm going to have an exclusive li- licensing agreement between my two organizations, and that's the most tax efficient way. But I was being counseled different ways by, by people that I hired and, and, and worked with. And they both had their, in, not their personal interest, but, you know, looking at it from their angle, saying, I think it's best because of this. And the other person said, I think it's best because of this. And, and when we finally settled on one, but it is a little stressful with being new to the business world, not knowing, no, you know, what would be the right course to take. And maybe someday I still won't know. Well, it sounds like you were setting money aside because you thought at some point you were going to give your own business is mm-hmm. shot. Yep. So had you been doing kind of a little bit of research all along the way, getting ready for this? Yes. I mean, I have always, you know, not always. Once I finished medical school and residency and I was out practicing, I, I got interested in investing and I got interested in different things. But as I, as I was working in my practice, very quickly I got into the administration of my practice and I really enjoyed that. But there was a lot of challenges. That's a very large group. Um, and I thought someday I'd like to do my own. So yes, I from from early on, uh, once I was out wor- in the working world, I had a vision of myself hopefully running something. Okay, so if somebody's listening to this and they have an idea, mm-hmm. can you boil it down to like three tips on how to get started? Well, the first thing I would say is you need to think about protecting your idea. So. Um, 
if you start telling a bunch of people the exact details of it before you've done anything to protect the idea or outside of a non-disclosure agreement, you can in fact uh, invalidate your patent, even if you get a patent some someday down the road. So uh, I would find someone, it doesn't, you know, I think you can talk with a lot of these intellectual property lawyers uh, for uh, free for an hour, or they'll at least give you some general advice. And if you can't, I would look for your local score chapter or talk with, you know, if you're local here in Rockford, you could talk with Mike uh, Colbert. He might be able to direct you or they can reach me. I'd be happy to, to, to help so anyone that's in the same boat. So protect your idea would be one thing. Um, uh, start thinking about uh, what else is out there like your idea? Don't put too much time in it if it's already been invented or already on the market. So do a little bit of market research uh, from the standpoint of what else is out there. And you might do a little research on if other people have the same problem. You know, uh, Make sure that you're not the only person with this because you don't want to spend a lot of time and effort and money and then it not, you know, not, not reap any rewards for you. Um, and then finally, I would look at your personal personal situation in life you know i mean it was um if you have something else big going on you might want to just uh uh, wait just a little bit i mean it it was you know when i first did this we had just had our third child and it was uh it was very it's a lot of balls in the air at the time you know Uh, even now 18 months later it's a little bit easier the the kids are sleeping and, and things are better but uh so think about your own personal situation if you're able to put the time in that you're going to need it if financially you're going to be able to do it and if financially it's worthwhile and like i said and protect your idea because that's part of making it worthwhile you you said something that i thought was interesting and that is when you were setting up you were also thinking about your exit strategy right i think most people when they start a business don't think about their exit strategy they just want to get they just want to get their market share and get going right um so let's the two questions and then we can wrap up five years from now what do you hope the annie where do you hope the annie stand is at i hope the annie stand uh has has great gained foothold in the anesthesia community the any stand has a tray on the top of it and i hope that there are several different trays and i hope that other ideas i have have become part of the the um collection of of uh things that we offer i hope any stand has expanded outside of just this tray that was my next question five years from now what will what is next for you is this the one shot and We'll, we'll go on being no, a I have, or you have more I ideas? have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the development, product development process. Um, if somehow I would sell this business off, I hope that I'm developing a different product. But ideally, I would envision that, that AnyStand is not just a product, but a company with a line of products, uh, probably for the healthcare community, for the anesthesia community. But, uh, but I don't know. But something, something along those lines. I have... I look back and wonder if maybe, you know, should I have entered an, uh, majored in engineering? Should I have done something different? Not that I don't like what I'm doing, but I really, it ha- this has, you know, they say, you know, if your work, if you do something you enjoy, you don't work. And, and when I would work in this after the kids would go to bed, it would, it would be something that would keep you up in a good way because you just want to keep working. I'm laying in bed and solving problems. And, and it's been so rewarding that, that I hope I'm doing more of it for, for other products down the road. All right. Well, this was a very good talk. Thank you for coming into Rockford, and hopefully the next time we talk to you, is you're you know having some kind of launch party. Right. That would be fantastic. All right. Thank you very much. All right.